Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hi, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is Wonderful. The role of Griffin in this evening's performance of Wonderful will be played by somebody who didn't just eat a pound and a half of kimchi fries. Babe, do you realize that last week you talked about the burgers? Well, we make week... mistakes often. There's the nature of the wonderful recording schedule is this. Tuesdays, we got to do the show at night after getting Henry down, so we don't have time to cook, and so we usually get food from places outside our house, and those places usually give us this place. They serve what they call a garbage bag full of kimchi fries. That's how it shows up on the menu, and you see that, and you think disgusting, but then you eat all of it. And so this week's performance will be played by... Patrick Stewart. Hello. I'd like to talk about my favorite thing. Tea. Earl Grey hot. Who do you want? And you can do a character too because you ate a bunch of fries too and I watched you. Rachel's too embarrassed to admit she ate so many fucking fries. So who's it going to be this time? Um, I can be myself. I'll play with me though in this face that we've made. Because I'm a professional. Okay, but you're a professional and a bunch of kimchi fries. Wouldn't it feel good to take a week off? Yeah, come on, it's me, Patrick. You don't want to be on a show with me? Engage Hello. with engage with me. Hello, I am a character. Also, oh, is this an OC? And uh, my name is Julie. This is Rachel's British OC, and we're very excited for her debut. We've I've heard a lot of rumors on the internet about Rachel's new character that she's been working on. Give me the name again one more time. Julie. Julie. Okay. And so what's Julie all about, I wonder? She likes purple. Okay. She eat a lot of kimchi fries? Or is that... She ate a lot of kimchi fries. Well, then what's she... <laughs> What's she doing here? The whole point is to get fresh hosu. I've never even heard of kimchi fries. She's here to clean your chimney. What are we doing? You started it. Yeah, but you encouraged it. And that's even worse okay. in a lot of ways. This is wonderful. It's a podcast where we talk about stuff that we're just like really enthusiastic about right now. It's your turn to start. I think it's my turn to start. And yes. I would love to talk about something that I had to, I actually spoiled it to you because I had to check because it felt like I had talked about it before, but apparently not. I want to talk about, let's, oh, we can do it like this. Let's talk about chess. Like sex. Oh, let's talk about rooks and pawns. Hey. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may spawn. Is good, is all the good things and all the bad things a part of the song? Let's talk about sex. Yeah, I guess there's bad things. Like sometimes you make an awful mess. So chess is the (laughs) opposite of sex in a lot of ways. If you really think about it, Um, I'm I'm a pretty new uh, fan of this here mind sport that we call chess, or some people call chess. Um, But it really boils down everything that I really love about games into this like simple rule set with infinitely deep implications and my goal for including it on the show is to get you rachel or julie i don't know who's in there right now rachel's here now really excited about chess so you'll start playing it with me um so chess i I have notes here on what fucking chess is um but it really is very very simple there's only six pieces right pawn rook uh, knight bishop king and queen and everybody's got 16 pieces. You got a bunch of pawns and less of the other ones. And the point of the game is to trap the opponent's king in an inescapable, inescapable position, putting them in checkmate. That's it. That's more or less it. I mean, there's some Wait, other did shit. Did you say king or queen? King. The queen can move around however she wants. 
she's like your best piece, mm. which is true. I feel like in all, in, in, in so many ways, um, the game has pretty ancient origins. Uh, it's presumed to have originated in India before the seventh century. Um, and those origins kind of actually, as is the case with so, so many things, especially like, uh, games and folk games inspired very, very similar, but just slightly different versions of chess, uh, in different countries throughout the world. Um, but what I think is so great about chess and the reason that I think it's a very, very good game and the reason that I kind of got into it, uh, I got into it for the first time basically right when Henry was born and we had these overnight shifts where he just wasn't sleeping and so we would stay up and he would be asleep in our arms and we couldn't really do anything with one of our arms and so I'd use the other arm to play chess because you can do that just with one hand. What I find so fascinating... On his phone, by the way, not... No, me and Henry would play very, very... <laughs> he's He is actually... He's like grandmaster level um so chess i promise it's going to get interesting here real soon what is so cool about chess is that it looks really simple right each player has 16 pieces that's 32 pieces total on a 64 square board uh and all you got to do is capture the other king or put them in an inescapable position but uh despite the fact that the game seems so simple and there's you know only six different types of pieces it can play out in so many different ways. And so this is a, a thing I found uh, on a, a publication called PopSci, which says, almost nothing looks more orderly than the chess pieces before a match starts. The first move, however, begins a spiral into chaos. After both players move, 400 possible board setups exist. After the second pair of turns, there are 197,742 possible games. And after three moves, 121 million. After every turn, players chart a progressively more distinctive path, and each game evolves into one that has probably never been played before. There's, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's really, really cool. Like, you look at the board, and it's like such an iconic sort of game, right? I feel like a lot of people know or think they know exactly how they feel about chess, um, because it's just like, oh, you look at it and you think you understand it. Um, there are some stati statisticians who estimate that the total number of possible chess games, uh, that are, are conceivably possible for, to be played out is, uh, 10 to the order of 100,000, which is more atoms than there are in the universe by a pretty significant total. It is this, it is, it is a, a nearly infinite sort of game where every time you play it, you're probably maybe even playing it in a way that nobody else has before, especially if you're very bad at chess and you make all kinds of illogical choices because there's about 15,000 or so, um, according to this article I read, about 15,000 or so kind of like fairly common games that play out. Uh, usually it takes about 30 or 40 turns before one of the players gets the other one in checkmate, but I mean, it can go anywhere. Uh, and I just find that so fascinating from a game design perspective, because I talk about that. I talk about, uh, I feel like I talked about that when we, uh, talked about Splendor, which is another game that I think is very, very cool. And I like that in a game where it's a simple game to understand, but there's lots of different ways that can play out. I think chess probably has that one on lockdown because there's more ways that chess can play out than there are atoms in the universe, which is kind of bonkers. Um, but that makes the game sound like super chaotic and probably not very accessible. Uh, what I like about it and what I, why I've gotten really into it, um, I used a website called chess.com, which I kind of thought about actually bringing as my favorite thing, just this website, chess.com, because uh, it's a very, very good website. Uh, but it teaches you just sort of different strategies. And I'm not talking about like, oh, you must understand the Bertolucci opening before you can take part in professional chess. Uh, things that are like really common 
sort of strategies that you have to do in every game. Things like trying to get a material advantage by having more pieces on the board than they do or setting up your opponent in a position where they are going to lose a piece no matter what they do on their next turn. And it teaches you like common ways to do that. And it teaches you like traps that you can set for your opponent. For example, it's possible to win a game of chess in I think four moves is the least amount of moves. And so it teaches you like if they make this mistake and then they make this mistake, you've just won at chess. Yeah. Um, which I think is like, it's, it's, it has made the game, which I feel like I respected before as like, oh, this is for geniuses, like who want to memorize different openings and different things, which is still, yes, very true. But there's also like very common sort of threads that connect these 10 to the 100,000 power games. What has always been hard for me about chess is that when I play a game, I tend to only be playing my own game. Like I'm coming up with my own strategy yeah. and my own approach. It's very hard for me to do the thing that chess asks you to do, which is play your opponent's game at the same time too. So for every move you're considering and every strategy you're building, identifying what your opponent might be doing. Uh, and that's always been really challenging for me. It is, it is, uh, th- and it's something that I, I struggle with. I, I don't play as much anymore. I actually, like, actually just started playing again, uh, cause I had a day where I wasn't really doing much. I was editing a podcast and I was like, oh, I'll go to chess.com, see what's up. And now I'm kind of back into it. Um, and I get my ass kicked a lot when I play against other players or they have like an AI that you can play against and change like the difficulty settings, which is, it's such a fucking cool website. Um, but the it is a game sort of about you trying to think a few moves in advance while your opponent is also trying to think a few moves in advance. Then they will make a move that sort of throws your whole plan into the toilet and flushes it to be in the sewer with all the poop. But um, the the like most common successful strategy is to just put your opponent in a position where they have to do something. It's really a race to see who can be the first person to put pressure. For example, the the big sort of mechanic in chess is you put the opponent's king in check by endangering them. So if you move a piece that can capture the king before the other player can do anything else, they have to move their king or capture the piece that's endangering their king, or if they, they have to move another uh, piece into the firing line, so to speak. Um, and using that like form of, of pressure, like, oh, I'm guaranteeing that you have to do something about this. It's impossible for you to do something about this other thing that I'm also endangering. So I know you're going to use your move to get your king out of danger. And so on my next turn, I'm going to screw you over in the way that you can't prevent. That's like sort of the main sort of hook. And that's something I did not appreciate at all about chess until I, until I started to kind of learn how to play it. And it makes it like a really, really fascinating a really fascinating game about sort of lateral thinking about like every single turn. Um, also, I have a section here where I want to talk about chess.com. It's really good. One of the things I like is I don't actually play that much chess anymore. Uh, chess.com and a bunch of different chess websites will give you daily puzzles. So they'll just show you a board in the middle of a game and you have to try and figure out what the best move is. Oh, that's smart. It's so great. And you get like points. If you do good, you get points. Oh, I know you love points. But if you do bad or you take too long, you lose points. Mm-hmm. And it's a constant score. My score at one point was like 1600. It was so good. And then I just, it got hard and I started doing really bad. And now it's like below 800. <sighs> Shoot. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think chess is really great and it's a fun pl- game for two players and for lovers and for new parents. Uh, I was reading a chess article on seriouschess.wiz and it said that it's good <laughs> for new parents because it helps you stay in love longer and oh. make you live longer and be stronger. 
So, and I think I have what I'm going to call a millennial disease, which is where if I am not good at something, uh, the first few times I play it, I lose interest very quickly. Mm. Uh, so I'm just going to warn you, I am willing to play it. Hell yeah. You. Right after we finish recording, you think? No. Um, but if I'll pin tomorrow lunch, come home. If you continue to beat me over and over again. I may lose interest. In well, life. here's the problem is I'm going to come at you with the fury of a storm no, every I single know. time. And you know that. I know that. You wouldn't like it if I didn't come at you with the full fury of the storm and the brunt. Are you of... going to do like one of those things where I'm going to move a piece and you're going to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like an anime villain every single time. <laughs> Into my trap. Yeah. To be swallowed up by my mighty army. And do a lot of like, oh, oh, you went with that, huh? Ooh. And then I'll get up and hammer dance. <laughs> Chess. Chess. I mean, I, you know, I, I respect it. It's a, it's always seemed like a game of intellectuals, uh, which I appreciate about it. You're smart. You like games and smart yeah, games. Yeah, you know, I'm street smart. I would that's say. the problem. Yeah. That's why you love Monopoly. Monopoly requires all kinds <laughs> of street smarts to walk around boardwalk at night. Good luck and mm. go to jail. It's like operation, like I'm used to. Yeah, street surgery, baby. Having to get stuff out of small places. Yeah, stepped on my... some broken glass in an alley, got to do street surgery. <laughs> you know how it goes. Have you seen that um, NCIS street surgery? Uh-huh. It's really good. Because yeah, NCIS is probably my favorite medical show. <laughs> no, they're doing- Surgeons, street doing surgeons street by street day. Street surgery. At they're night. Not medical professionals. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's a very confusing pilot you've come here to pitch me today <laughs> for NCIS street surgery. And who are we going to cast it? Who are you thinking is the lead in this one? I think it's sort of a crossover Bacula, maybe an origin story for and New you Orleans. Know, I, I knew that you were going to expect Bacula, so I don't want to go there. Um, I think I'm going to go Fred Savage. <laughs> so we could do that. Um, just like, yeah, fire escape ladder fell on this guy's butt. We got to get it out of there. Some good street surgery. And then we can get a like voiceover. Like <laughs> I was ready to perform street surgery on the man's butt with the ladder on it. But I was afraid because I was, you know, I was in love with my neighbor and my brother get, just died. No, let's not get too prescriptive about how this should go. Let's just kind of get some good talent in the room and see where it takes us. Fred, get at us. What's your first thing? I feel like we're stalling. <laughs> my first thing. Uh, is a website. Oh boy! Actually, and is Snopes. Checkers. Checkers. Biz. Oh, Snopes. Mm -hmm. Snopes. Is it called Snopes because it sounds like Snopes? And I don't know what the second S is for, but it's like, hey, is it true that uh, President Barack Hussein Obama? A lot of people forget about the Hussein is actually an alien from Benghazi. Nope. Uh, Snopes is the name of a family of often unpleasant people in the works of William Faulkner. Okay. Yeah. So this is, it's like a fictional guy who's coming down. He's like, Kim Trails, dude, shut the fuck up. Uh, David Mickelson and his wife created the site in 1996, which used to be called the Urban Legends Reference Pages. Uh, it was an early online encyclopedia focused on urban legends. And then the site grew to encompass a wide range of subjects in 2002, the site had become well-known enough that a television pilot called Snopes, colon, Urban Legends, was completed with American actor Jim Davidson as host. Wait, who? Jim Davidson. Who's I don't it? know who that is. Uh, to the Google. I do not know who this man is. He's like a game show host. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't think I'm in. The- this is. I mean, it's not important. Yeah, no, my my f- wonderful thing this week was not Jim Davidson. <laughs> Pretty cool series. Let's hear more about Snopes, though. Okay, so I am a big fan of Snopes, uh, especially when you'll see something on Facebook or when you used to get those email forwards from people. I don't get those as much anymore. No, me neither. But I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out some of my my old time favorite urban legends. Okay. Um, God, that term is, by the way, can we just take a second and talk about how <laughs> quaint that term is? is? Because now I feel like Snopes' whole sort of domain is like fucking actually combating the yeah. misinformation yeah. campaign that yeah. is being sort of the fact that there's a whole concept of fake news now that like half of the people actually think is real. Yeah. These will bring you back. Can you die from drinking Mentos or Pop Rocks and Coke? Yeah, I mean, I wish that, (laughs) I wish, I'm sorry to be a downer, but I wish that was like still the subject on everybody's lips. Did George Washington have wooden teeth? Yeah, again, great, but. Uh, Has Walt Disney's body been cryogenically frozen? Yeah, I mean, that's a good one to talk about, but now they're doing like. Play with me. Okay, yes, it's fun to be back here. Tell me about the dress. Is it blue and gold or is it the other two colors? Did Marilyn Manson have ribs removed? Do you remember hearing this rumor? It's for self. Yes. Self stuff. And was he Paul from the Wonder Years? (laughs) Now that one's actually (laughs) Snopes missed the mark on that one, I felt like. (laughs) Did Sinbad play a genie in a movie called Shazam? Okay, do you know about this? I have learned about this. This very is recently. like mass hysteria level. <laughs> Everybody just thinks Sinbad was in a movie called Shazam. I know. Not Kazam. It was kind of it was kind of like that You know the movie? No. Well I'm I, I thought you were about to be like, Yeah, I saw it and there was a scene <laughs> where they were at a theme park and he cast a spell no, and the roller coaster period. was flying through the sky. It was a time period where movies like Ants and a Bug's Life would come out at the same you time. You thought there was a Kazam so and thought, a Shazam. Yes. And the- a blah blam. <laughs> um Michael Richards plays a very funny by the way, it's nineteen ninety six. Michael Richards, who in nineteen ninety six again gang like we did it was okay. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't okay, but we didn't know any better. He plays a wacky genie who summons a bunch of fast food, but this time it comes up through the sewer. Was Richard Gere taken to an emergency room to now have a gerbil removed just, this one's... from his butt? How did that get all over? I don't know. Everybody knows it, though. That one was... That one made it... Okay, here's the weird thing. Maybe we should just do an urban legend one, but maybe not because they're all kind of mean spirited in yeah, a way. No, I know. Uh, because this one got sort of transmogrified in Huntington, West Virginia, where <laughs> it was a sort of, sort of spread around, uh, about a local, uh, weatherman who, oh no, the rumor was just was putting gerbils up in the, up in his, you know, his goose. And so people would, just, it literally like people talked about it and people talked about Richard Gere and this was like pre, internet like this yeah. this was definitely pre-internet so i don't know how this stuff was getting out I don't there. know either national Enquirer, i guess um maybe yeah maybe weekly world news or whatever here here are some other ones uh that i am familiar with can you get drunk from a tampon soaked in vodka the answer is no oh really but i did know a woman in college who thought that was true oh hold on you're talking about a tampon, not that you ring out to drink the vodka. <laughs> no. Oh, no. Yeah. It's probably not healthy, huh? No, it's real bad. It's real probably bad. Probably real bad. Yeah. It's a temple. Um. Anyway, there's any number of other 
urban legends um, on the website, in addition to, as Griffin mentioned, current the shit your aunt fake news stories that are yeah. circulating the thing i always liked about snopes is that anytime i saw something that was suspect on facebook or would get an email forward i would immediately go to snopes look it up and they do the research they interview actual people they make phone calls they're actual real journalists and they will get you the information you want oh it's a good service i'm just i'm just glad that snopes exists and that it's been around for so long thanks snopes yeah keep it up you're the only ones, I guess. Keep it, keep it going. <laughs> Boy, I'm feeling bleak. <laughs> yeah, just I talking just about. To, I know. Just Snopes to talk is talk about gerbils sn- and butts. No, I know, and it's very still. And what's crazy is it's still super funny to me. The thought of just putting a. It, it's not though, is it? It's sad for the gerbil. It's very sad for the gerbil. It didn't happen. It absolutely no, didn't, it didn't happen. It absolutely not, didn't happen. Not to Richard Gere. Not to anybody, because how would you even... Let's dig into this. No, let's not. Is what the gerbil said. Hey, Griffin. <laughs> oh. Hey, Griffin. Nope. Yeah, babe. Can I steal you away? Please, God, get me out of this segment. No, wait. I've got, I've got a thing. Let me know if it picks up, okay? All right. Does it just give a bunch of kisses? Yeah. All right. I needed that after the, after the <laughs> Snopes segment. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality. And you think, that I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghost Rider, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be... The same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can, you can sell? Uh, your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain griffin yeah you know it's a shame what is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? <laughs> it's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. <laughs> factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? <laughs> Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters. With I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. 
So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. Uh, can you read me that first Jumbotron with your just soft and sinewy voice? Uh, this message is for John, comma, the bunyip andler. And it is from your bestie, Michaela. Happy birthday, John. Here is a message from your number one baby boy, Griffin. Hey, 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 it's me. I'm doing a Rachel impression. Bazinga. I love you so much. And I love you so much. So proud I'm of so you. So proud of you. Congrats on another Congrats year of life. Another year of life. Kerblam. Kerblam. Well, let me give it let me give you a clean. Kerblam. So uh so happy birthday, John. <laughs> Yeah. What are you laughing at? You're looking at something laughing. Is there something a funny coded message in John's? Griffin and I talk a lot about how now that we have a child, we have no awareness of what time of year it is. And so I read that the preferred time frame was December 7th. And I thought like, oh, we are way off base on that. And then I, and then you realize that that is a fucking Thursday. (laughs) Our anniversary, babe. Our anniversary. Did this, did you not give me a present? Cause you didn't think it was this close. I I have gotten you one present. Oh man. I'm working on a second. I don't I don't ever like to put all my eggs in one basket. While we're recording there, so there's a big present right next to you, sitting on the couch. You see it I in know, that big I box? Do, I see it. What do you think's in there? It's a pretty big box, I would say about uh two feet by two feet in uh, all directions, length, width, and height. Mm-hmm. Um What do you think's going on in there? Maybe a globe. Fuck! <laughs> Here's another Yahoo. Another Yahoo. Fuck. <laughs> oh, no. This Yahoo, uh, Jumbotron was, uh, is for Camille. Uh, and it's from Mary, who says, Happy early birthday slash late Christmas. Hmm. Hmm. Now, this is a pickle. This one's a real conundrum. What's the preferred time frame for this message after? Next available. So it might just be a very late 2016 Christmas. I think they assumed we would. uh... Yeah, all right. Happy early birthday slash late Christmas, early Christmas to the most wonderful person I know. We've been friends through five wild years. Here's to 50 more calm ones. Please calm down. Thanks for encouraging me to uh, listen to podcasts in general and Rachel and Griffin's in particular. And of course, thanks for being a wonderful best friend. Glad I got this new job so I could finally afford this. Hell yeah. Well, what a nice way to spend your, your new money. Yeah. It's a really sweet message. A very, very nice thing you've done. Please don't ever step to us about our timeliness on these messages again or we will humiliate you. My acid reflux is just really going wild. I really wish Patrick could tap in here for me. Max FunCon tickets are on sale now at MaxFunCon.com. Watch stand-up comedy on a mountain. Roll out of bed after a dance party to see a live podcast taping. Take classes from amazing teachers with the most supportive group of people you'll ever meet. Make a bunch of friends and eat a ton of s'mores. Come to Max FunCon at Lake Arrowhead, California the second weekend of June, for friendship, comedy, and creativity. Get your ticket now at maxfuncon.com. You want to talk about your second thing? I think I'm going to talk about my second thing. What's that noise? Do you hear it? Do you hear it? It sounds like the rooftop. Oh, is it reindeer? Uh, it's little reindeer hooves. It's too early, Griffin. We can't, we can't go down this path. Ching, 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 bells. 
Christmas bells, 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 ching, 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 Christmas bells. There's no good way to do that with your mouth, huh? Ching, 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 Christmas bells. I want to talk about jingle, jangle is usually jingle, jangle, jingle. That's not how they sound at all, even a little bit. I'm trying to be onomatopoetic over here. I want to talk about Sufjan Stevens' Christmas music. Oh, I thought you might go here, but I thought you would save it until we got closer. Can't save it. Can't save it. Because I've been, I'm, baby, you see me fucking laying down on the couch with an IV running into my veins through Spotify to get this. Because my, my spirits, babe, they've been low. The not McElroy's, low. Not low. It just takes some work some years. The McElroy's as a family start pounding Christmas content immediately after Thanksgiving. Oh, <laughs> And it's on a daily basis. You think I'm all full up from the turkey, but no, there's room for some mistletoe in Did there. Did you see Travis tweeted, I think, that he's already watched like several dozen holiday movies? That's my blood right there. <laughs> I want to talk about Sufjan Stevens' Christmas music. I love Sufjan Stevens. You should know this. He is a we genius. We went and saw his Christmas show So we together. went and saw his Christmas show together, and it was one of the best like holiday things I've ever, ever done. And I want to talk about that at sort of a little bit later in the segment, but... Um, so, uh, I'm talking specifically about, uh, Songs for Christmas, which, uh, came out, I think, in 2006, and it is a five-disc compilation of, uh, holiday music that he released between 2001 and 2000, 2006, and then he followed that up with another five-disc compilation of holiday music, uh, called Silver and Gold, which was a collection of music he made between 2006 and 2011. Hey, Sufjan, it's been more than five years, bud. We're all waiting on it. I know you've been busy. But we are ready for the new shit. So I, I love Sufjan Stevens, and I have for a very, very long time. Um, his music is very, like, emotional and very earnest. Um, and I adored all of his old stuff, uh, like Illinois and, and Michigan and uh, Seven Swans. Was that the, was the name of the album, Seven Swans? I think it was. Um, and just basically everything he's ever done. Um his latest album that he released called Carrie and Lowell is all about him trying to come to terms with the death of his mother, which is, a, you know, a very emotional album, which resonated with me for obvious reasons. But his music isn't just like sad emotions. And I think that's kind of like what makes him so interesting is that he has this huge catalog of Christmas music that is just like unabashedly joyous, happy, happy, happy music. Um, and I don't know, I just really appreciate that that sort of way that he handles doing Christmas music. Like, nothing feels like a, you know, a shitty cash grab where it's just like, hey, everybody, a jingle bell, a jingle bell. You know what I think is interesting? There's something about that kind of unabashed positivity that feels a little punk rock, doesn't it? It does, because it also doesn't feel like twee. Like, it doesn't it's feel like It's kind of like fake. an act of, like, rebellion of just, like, I'm going for it, guys. Yeah. I know shit sucks, and I'm leaning into, into I don't even this, think like, old-school joy. Yeah, I don't even think it addresses that shit sucks. Yeah. I think it's just, like, it's Christmas! Like, it's literally <laughs> just a voice just screaming, like, it's like Elf. It's like a buddy from yeah. Elf as a like musical sort of style of of arrangement. So, uh these 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 albums are very very eclectic. I think there's something like a 100 songs across all 10 of these discs. Um and there's a pretty eclectic mix between these 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 10 discs. There's sort of like three main uh types of songs on these albums and the first is sort of arrangements of holiday classics. Uh, and like I said, like they are not shitty, straightforward cash grabs. They are, if you've listened to his other albums, like they are, 
usually these huge orchestral arrangements like you would hear in uh some of his songs like Chicago or the the anything off Illinois or 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 his earlier albums um or they are just these like wild techno jams that are come at you like really really heavy uh he does a version of have yourself a merry little christmas and just that it's just this like booming christmas assault and it opens up one of the discs on on silver and gold and it's just really so energetic but it's also kind of sweet which is true of virtually every christmas song he's ever done um there's another version of uh, we need a little christmas that sounds just like a fucking parade through christmas town um, but I want to play a clip from, uh, uh, his arrangement of my favorite holiday song, which is Oh Holy Night. Uh, cause it's like the only holiday song with a, with a drop, I feel like. And this is that sick drop from Sufjan Stevens' arrangement of Oh, well, one of his, he's done several, but one of his arrangements of Oh Holy Night. albums also contain just like straight up non-christmas hymns that explore a kind of like religious like fascination or curiosity and like near reverence that i think is kind of present throughout like all of his albums uh especially like seven swans deals with these themes a lot uh uh, Carrie and Lowell has a song about the shade of the shadow of the cross or something i just butchered that but um these these songs like aren't explicitly christmas songs but they still like they still feel very like warm and accessible in a way that i feel like christmas songs or christmas hymns do um a lot of them are just pared down arrangements and kind of pretty and i i think i like them because growing up in church like i always sang and heard these songs a lot but i don't think i appreciated them in any way musically until i heard them arranged by a musician who i respected and admired a whole lot like sufjan um, so there's a really great version of Amazing Grace, and there's been like a billion versions of Amazing Grace, and so I feel like that's kind of laudable. Uh, that's just like harmonies and banjos, and that's more or less sort of the case for a lot of these hymns. Uh, he does a soft duet of Holy, Holy, Holy that's really nice. Um, but I want to play a clip from Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, which is again, not a Christmas song, but like played amongst the other Christmas songs. Like, I don't know, it just makes you feel like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't have that background. So a lot of these songs are not familiar to me um but they are beautiful they're so nice they're so beautiful and like uh i don't know if i ever saying this this particular one in church because it's pretty old school but it's still like i don't know none of these songs that i ever like while i was hearing them in church thought like oh that's a banger but now that i've heard this like really good arrangement of it i like oh okay i do appreciate this in, in a different way so this is come now found of every blessing here's my Um, and then these albums also contain uh, Sufjan's original holiday songs, which are 
maybe a little bit more hiss, hit and miss than the other ones, but it's all worth it for Christmas Unicorn. Yeah, we were listening to this the other day in the car, and I forgot just how uh, long it is. It's 12 and a half minute long song, sung from the perspective of this supernatural ultimate Christmas being. And it's just like the most Sufjan Stevens shit, like ever and the last basically two-thirds of the song maybe is this long orchestral breakdown uh that sort of repeats the the chorus of the song about being a christmas unicorn and then it adds in a refrain from joy division's love will tear us apart for some reason because why not i i feel like it represents sort of this whole idea of sufjan stevens having this huge focus on writing non hyper commercialized holiday music and that it's just like i think that the holidays are great and you can have a lot of fun with them and appreciate them in any way that you want and also here's some fucking joy division because i'm in charge here (laughs) and that's what's up so this is a little bit of christmas unicorn songs and they're all most of them are pretty good i mean some of them are but there's a hundred of them and that's a pretty high hit rate um and yeah i just i just really appreciate how like genuinely psyched this dude is about the holidays and that is just not love i kind of love christmas albums i think like i'm i obviously am not speaking about all of them and i don't have a comprehensive knowledge but there are so many good ones there's a lot of good ones i I do not mean to say that these are the only good christmas albums because i could go on and on and on and god knows like if i don't have a whole segment about the vince guaraldi trio charlie brown christmas album which i've maybe actually pound for pound listened to more than sufjan's music yeah um no i'm I'm not saying that but i am saying like a lot of the times the shelves are just i mean fucking love actually no matter what you think of that movie like actually i really feel like it kind of encapsulates this idea of just like oh it's christmas i don't know just get the fuck up there and sing can we do have you done uh all i want for christmas is you and just like a smooth jazz style because that kind of sucks but there's a lot of christmas music where you can actually feel like oh this person's kind of psyched and they're like getting that excitement out there that like i don't know i really enjoy and i feel like sufian stuff is sort of the epitome of that what else is good christmas music i mean we've we've listened to a lot of you have a whole christmas playlist. it's all sufian and vince guaraldi that is that not, is not a, true it's mostly sufian and vince guaraldi what's that song we love so much um, oh, this Christmas by Donny Hathaway. Yes, oh, that's, that's good. a good one. And is this just our Christmas music block? It's kind of starting to feel like it. <laughs> Wolfbeck has a song called "Christmas in L.A." Ooh, that I heard that. For stop the first this time. podcast right fucking now and go listen to "Christmas in L.A." by Wolfbeck. It is so good. Yeah. All right. Anyway, Sufjan, thank you. Can I do my thing? Yes. Okay. In honor of our anniversary, <gasps> and I didn't want to get too sappy. Oh boy. I, instead of talking about our wedding, which was wonderful. Should I have done an, hold on, wait, pause the pause. Should I I have done an anniversary one? No, I I was worried you were going to, though. No, mine is not, mine is not, I, it is not sappy. Is it me? No. I'm always still waiting for the week where you're just like, (laughs) (laughs) this is it. It's Griffin. We have plenty of opportunities for that coming up. Oh, I guess. For this episode, 
I wanted to talk about the menu at our wedding. Oh, okay. Which was also wonderful. Very accessible. Uh, I, I love it. I didn't want to get. I didn't want to get too, too. You know. Droopy. No, it's combining our two favorite things, which is loving each other, and <laughs> loving the. Uh, lots and lots of leftovers that we had for about a month and a half after our wedding. So I went into my email and got the exact menu. Fuck yeah. Take me on this trip down memory lane. And we can just sort of do a play-by-play. By the way, can we do a quick debrief? Did you... I loved planning a wedding. This was an all-hands-on-the-ball affair, by the way, folks. There's none of that fucking gender barriers bullshit rachel and i were both like hell yeah biggest party we're ever gonna throw let's get well, gnarly on I think, it i think part of it was that neither griffin or i had a big plan going into this no but we developed them as we learned about the Once options the which venue, i enjoyed yeah i i found that finding a venue was the most terrible part yeah that part was really rough we had to go to all of these venues and talk to these people that we did not like uh, there was a dude at this one venue <laughs> who, by the way, they had the crosses on Gethsemane or whatever, like overlooking the wedding site, which was rad. And uh, they were showing us the ceremony site. And he was like, and when she walks down the aisle, well, let me do the accent. <laughs> when she walks down that aisle, bud, I don't look at her. I never look at her. I look at you. Because when I see the tears. In your eyes, that's how I know. That's how you know what, He also dude. said that he liked to keep the bride happy and sequestered, or else you might end up with something that ends in a zilla. Yeah. Meanwhile, the boys are going to be watching turned football. Turned me off a little bit. Here's your sign. Anyway, we didn't go <laughs> anyway, with that one. Yeah. Anyway, we, we did eventually find a venue that was wonderful. Uh, she and- turned it, and guess what? On the day, Rachel did get angry. She turned into Godzilla. It was wild. Ate my dad right there on the spot. No, Griffin. So, so I wanted to share our wedding uh, menu in particular, uh, which I thought would would leave you know a little mystery to our big day. Yeah, but invite people into the the warm comfort food that we provided. Oh man, the food was so good. So good. It was so good, and it was the first time I ate it, because when we did the tasting for the first time, we were picking the menu, I had bad, bad diarrhea. Let's move on, though. Goodness. We don't have to talk about it. Every episode of this podcast. Well, yeah, podcast, I gotta be honest with the people, we can't lie to them about the every time. Every episode of this podcast. What if Snopes looked me up and been like... Involves you discussing something terrible that has happened to your stomach. Or my butt, but let's not. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, it was actually, I was being autobiographical when I was talking about the fire escape ladder falling on somebody's butt. It was me. It happened to me too. No, I think you had salmonella. I think this is back when you had salmonella. Oh yeah, that sucked. Or or was it? Because my friend Evan didn't know how to cook a fucking chicken leg. Oh, what is the cruise ship disease? I think it was norovirus maybe. I don't one know. one of the two. I've had them all. Catch them, catch them. <laughs> Gotta catch them all. Got to catch them all. Griffin's <laughs> diarrhea. Norovirus diarrhea. Salmonella. E. coli. Here's our menu. Okay, now I'm appetized. Honeycrisp salad, which was uh, apples, candy pecans, warm goat cheese medallions, lemon basil dressing. Oh, man. Mm. This is, by the way, this may sound like very bougie. It was like an outdoor wedding in a, it was like, it was nice and it was very quaint. it was buffet style too. It was was very, yeah, it was pretty cash. Um, Also, it was 19 degrees outside. No, yeah, it was, it was literally 27 degrees. Uh, Chicken pot pie. Oh, Smoked brisket. I remember him. Fried green tomatoes. Fried green tomatoes. Rosemary red potatoes. 
Oh, I got a lot of Eidos. Because it was 2013, roasted Brussels sprouts. Those are good in 2017. Uh, artisan breads. I don't remember you, artisan breads. I <laughs> no, think I missed you. We didn't waste time on bread. And then our cake. Yes. Which was a vanilla cake with key lime filling. Very good. It was a very yeah. good cake. And I, I, so I bring all that up uh, because it was very cold. And it was very nice to have all of these warm, comforting foods, December 7th. It was an outdoor wedding, by the way. 2013. In our, in our defense, we live in Texas. And the uh, December 7th, 2012, the year before our wedding... Uh, it was like 68 degrees in on December 7th. So we're like, we're good. And then we kind of weren't good. But it yeah, was... Yeah, this year I think the high is going to be in like the low 60s. Like typically <sighs> it is a safe day to That's have a fine. wedding. It's like not even like we bought a cornhole set or rented a cornhole set. So people would be out on the lawn playing cornhole and bocce. But they couldn't because the grass was frozen. <laughs> it cut their feet to ribbons. <laughs> and polar bears came out. And penguins mated. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. I'm glad that we made so many diarrhea jokes in there because I feel like we would have gotten through it really fast. But then again, <laughs> we're at 52 minutes, so. Yeah, well, I, you know, there are any number of things I could have talked about uh, on our wedding, but I wanted to keep it focused. I just love you so much. and I'm just so happy that we're still married after all these years. <laughs> Four years. Four years. What's that? The paper anniversary? I always think it's paper. It's not, though, is it? It's no, probably- I think paper is one year. I think this year might be like linen or something. It's mercury. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. I got you this bucket That's of dangerous. mercury. That's well, don't big, touch it. It's a big bucket of mercury. Yeah, I mean, don't touch it. It's not supposed to be touched. It's supposed to be looked at and admired and drank and turned in thermometers. Do you want uh, to hear submissions? I almost <laughs> said a Yahoo again. <laughs> Rachel and I had one alcoholic beverage with dinner, and I'm wondering if you and I are just, like, completely fucked up right now. I'm fine. You fine? You want to talk some more about Blue Apron? Uh, Here's one from Val, who says, Every time my iPhone updates, I look for dinosaur emojis. (laughs) It does sound like a Yahoo. It's really good, Val. I'm not... It's no judgment. Uh, I look for dinosaur emojis. It always seemed like a lapse in judgment to have 15 different types of hearts, but no dinos. But I'm pleased to report that my recent update has not one, but two different types of dinosaurs, a T-Rex and an Apatosaurus. <laughs> it's, I'm not laughing. I swear to God, this is not making fun of you laughing. This is like, I'm glad that you exist, Val, because this is very, very good. And I'm so glad that That's our- a good point. Our long national nightmare is finally over. We finally got two. But emojis are supposed to be like shorthand. What could it possibly, unless it's like, uh uh-oh, I'm in Jurassic Park. Or maybe you're talking about a really old person. Don't be like that, though. They probably have stories from the big war. Or you're going to a museum. Well, don't. Yeah, that one actually tracks. Yeah. Here's a, a submission from Rose who says, Whale watching is wonderful. For only 20 bucks, I can cheer and shout about wild aquatic mammals with strangers from all walks of life, sometimes during an incredible sunset. It feels like a sporting event, but the team you're rooting for is, for example, a massive pod of adult and baby dolphins. It's such a thrill to see them surviving and thriving all on their own. Yeah, I think I could get down with whale watching. You've never been whale watching? I know, I've never been whale watching. I did watch a blimp crash into the ocean one time, though. Is that um, true? Yeah, it was the Hindenburg. Okay. Do you have any more submissions? <laughs> no. Yes. Here's one from Andy. here's one from Andy who says, 
You know what I think is wonderful? The Mountain Goats. The frontman, John Darnielle, has released over a thousand songs over the last 30 years or so, and the main overarching theme is triumph over adversity, even if the only triumph is just surviving. They're also inspiring from a creative stance because for the last decade of existence, all the band's albums were recorded on a uh, home tape deck. Uh, some good albums to get started with are All Hail West Texas, The Sunset Tree, and Transcendental Youth. You love the Mountain Goats, don't you? I do love the Mountain Goats. I'm not like, I'm not like super well versed in the Mountain Goats. I, uh, it's one of those situations where I would, I had a couple of their albums in college and I listened to them fucking nonstop. And I kind of only listened to those while picking up some like singles here and there from the new stuff, but. Um, I love the Mountain Goats. Yeah, the, John Darnielle's voice is like so uh, unique, and the writing of the songs is so brilliant. And uh, I, uh, if you follow him on Twitter, you probably know that he's also just kind of a just a smart smart dude. Good follow, premium follow. Here, it's our segment where we highlight great Twitter users on the great platform Twitter. You know what premium follow sounds like. I don't. So, uh, I think that's it for this episode. Yeah. I've had a lot of fun here with you today. Me too. Probably going to edit some of the chess stuff out. It was a little boring, but it got live here towards the end. <laughs> so, thank you all so much for listening, though, and thanks to Maximum Fun for having us. Uh, you can go to MaximumFun.org and check out all the great shows there. Shows like Tights and Fights and Heat Rocks and... Inside Pop? Inside Pop and Next to Pop and... Bullseye? Pop and Bullseye. And all the great shows there. You can go to McElroyShows.com, check out the other stuff we do. Thanks to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. And, hmm... Join our Facebook group. Join the group, get on the book, and just be good. Yeah, just be good. Just for like a day. Try it out. And when you see your neighbor, you usually prank them by stealing their newspaper and replacing it with a newspaper that you created that is all sort of fake events like big ants eat Daryl's mom and his name is Daryl. And so this is a fake newspaper. That you or put maybe up. your neighbor is Kyle Chandler and you're giving him the news in advance. Holy shit. You've just blown a uh, <laughs> uh, morning, morning edition inside. No inside edition is not it. Next edition. Next edition. Tomorrow's edition. Tomorrow's news. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Hey Biz, have you seen any good movies lately? Hey Teresa, does Curious George's Boofest count? It doesn't. Mm. Well, I blame my current life situation that has small children that need things. 
God, I love them, and I miss knowing about stuff. <laughs> well, after catching up on the current cultural offerings on podcasts that provide such information, <laughs> join us on One Bad Mother as we help explore the harsh realities of sweeping self-identity changes as we try to find ourselves between our pre- and post-kid selves. I used to like all the things. Download One Bad Mother on MaximumFun.org or Apple Podcasts. And yes, there will be swears. <laughs>